0: This is Triathlon Therapy, with your host Danny McKenna, professional athlete and coach Tim Reed, and
1: that's too much time. Look at Steve McKenna, Steve. Aww. What are you doing, Steve? That's too much time. Advantage Reed. Welcome to the show, Joe Gamble's, otherwise known as the Weathered Vegan. Joe <laughs> is a was a very good triathlete. He has multiple Ironman seventy point three wins, an Ironman victory. Um, other Ironman podiums, including Asia pack champs. Were you second or third at Asia? Champs? second, Champ? second. second a, one, probably yeah. the one of the only negatively split marathons I've ever seen. Uh, you also had a world championship podium that many people don't know about. I know about it because you pushed me off the podium. I should have I ended up getting fifth that day, but it should have been fourth. We all remember the reasons, but I remember that <laughs> third that day. Um, and yep. all around great guy long-time friend, and more excitingly, joining the RPG coaching team, but that's not just why I'm having you on. Thanks for coming on, Joe.
0: You're very welcome, Reedy. It's uh, my pleasure. Uh, big fan of the show. As of last <laughs> week, when you asked me to come on, I thought I should listen to all the podcasts, and uh, that got me through my my long run of like three hours
1: the other day. I pretty much just listened to
0: one high speed.
1: That's a straight up lie. You just said before, you've listened to one and a half episodes. (laughs) (laughs) I've only listened to one episode myself. I listened to
0: the first one and I was like, wow, the bar's really low. And then the last one I I listened to last week's and I was like, wow, they've really got this dialed now. And now I should definitely go on the show. (laughs) Even though I haven't had an invite till now. So,
1: (laughs) Yeah. um, Steve will also be joining us. Uh, He is classically late and I just can't, I just, Oh, we'll just oh here he is <laughs> oh damn it he was gonna, <laughs> gonna prove me wrong I was gonna we'll just get started and see what happens um yeah we're gonna have we're gonna talk a little bit about Nice we're gonna talk we've got Benny Hill joining us uh, a lot of people don't know who Ben is he actually got 13th in Nice at the Ironman World Championships on the weekend was it 13th Jesus 13th checked. yeah which uh, oh, is impressive because he's done like three or four triathlons um but cool history i had a chat to one of his mates to get some content for the show um yeah interesting guest coming on joe tell me what you're up to these days well actually still
0: in boulder colorado been here for 16 years now i came here just to check it out in 08 and i haven't left but uh actually exciting news is they're actually moving back to australia at the end of the year so lots of lots to organize um Packing up the family and moving back to, well, to Melbourne. So uh, excited to be there just after Christmas this year. But at the moment, I'm, yeah, coaching, um, uh, commentating. Uh, Whenever they're really desperate, they uh, give me a call and uh, I just – cruise down the road five minutes and uh make it up as I go along as you've probably witnessed some of the commentary um but Man, I i've only heard and, i've uh, heard
1: really good things about the commentary i've only <laughs> just started watching triathlon again i used to pretend for quite a while that i was keeping up to date. <laughs> um but i've heard <laughs> well really i good do
0: things. do <laughs> i do i uh, even if at these last minutes some i that's happened a couple of times but most of the time I, I do know this year i've actually had at least like six months notice of when i'm going to commentate so but I do, I do enjoy, um, looking through, uh, all the athletes and getting to know some of the ones I don't know. Um, definitely I haven't raced obviously for two years and yeah, yeah there's so many new names and it's exciting to see, um, all these new young guys just popping up, but, uh, no, I, I do, uh, I generally, um, I have, I come with very well prepared and then I turn up next to Matt Lieto and he's like, oh, can you just send me that, um, that document you've spent hours preparing? And I guess I, I know just share it with him and, and then he just basically rips off everything that I've researched. Which is, <laughs> so um... tell me how it works. So you guys,
1: you guys go into a studio in Boulder for the Iron Man live yeah. team, and you just pull an all nighter when it's overseas. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, and they're the
0: one, they're the ones I get because the the top dogs, uh, DD Michael, they they won't do an overnighter at this point, really. Um, so an all nighter you not know, with Iron Man is that's pretty full on. So depending on where it is, like if it's Europe, so the eight hours in front, we'll start coverage at 11 p.m. Boulder time and then go through till the sun comes up and probably another couple of hours after that. So it's definitely, if I went back and watched some of the recordings, there's definitely a few lulls, but hopefully you don't have that same bad patch as the other commentator because it's it is, you go straight through the night and you're, yes, basically coffee, and cashews is basically what I get through uh, 10 hour commentary. So it's, I enjoy it, but you're wrecked for two, three days. But it's, it's a bit it's like hard. when
1: I used to go riding with you, though. Like the conversation would be nonstop for three or four hours, totally wrecked afterwards, and you'd be eating cashews. <laughs> um, but no, I think you're doing a good job on that. I think, I hope that um, they keep you coming on board. I, I think with the Ironman coverage, sometimes I think there's they feel this necessity to commentate the whole time. And I actually think, especially if we were able to get more cameras on what's happening further back, like when it's just yep. focused on one person, it's a real tough job for the commentator. Like if we're just watching Laidlow for yep. a, for, a, for the entirety of the of the coverage, there's only so much you can say. But if you flash back and you see two guys battling it out in fifth and sixth, suddenly then this conversation would flow, obviously.
0: But... Yeah, I completely agree. And I think uh, Matt Lieto is very good at this. He's very good at actually not saying anything and just letting the feed sort of, um speak volumes and some of the shots that they're getting out there especially if you watched the nice coverage last weekend um yeah you don't really need to say much and you, we can sort of learn a lot from the guys that commentate like the tour de france and that they, they don't need to fill every second with with talking um it's nine hours it's quite nice to not actually hear someone talk uh, the whole time and just sort of enjoy watching a race but as you said yeah if it was possible. Like they do have some other motos out there. Uh, obviously, they're always going to have one on the f- the first guy, first male or female athlete. But yeah, like for Lionel Sanders as an example. Like if you had a pet moto on him, from out the swim all the way as he's ripping through the field, um, then that's a lot to talk about, and it's sort of ex- exciting um, racing. But. They're getting there. It's definitely, I think it's improving. Um, yeah, for and it's sure. great that we get so much coverage of the 70.3 races and we're covering the Melbourne race, um, in November this year, which is, uh, which is pretty cool as well.
1: So how did you find, I love to talk about this cause I didn't find it super easy, but the transition into not racing, um, were you cocaine and strippers or were you, <laughs> you were just depressing at home reading books? i can't read reedy you know this um
0: it was i'm not yeah my last race was the world champs in st george two years ago and yeah like the first few weeks were tough but that was more i just sort of couldn't stop analyzing the race how it was like i had the worst swim of my career on my last ever race and but once i got through that honestly i I I was ready. I've been racing. I did my first pro race when I was 16, and I'm 41 now, so I retired just before I turned 40. And, um, yeah, I was ready to do other things. And, yeah, it was pretty – within a month, I was feeling pretty good. And we're lucky here in Boulder. I was out running trails with my dog and just out just enjoying myself. And I didn't need – I didn't feel like I needed to train 20, 25 hours a week. I was quite happy getting out the door for a 30 minute jog sometimes. Um but uh so maybe I wasn't quite as addicted as I thought I was to to training. Uh but yeah, I'm enjoying. It. I I have to get out most days and do something, even if it's a 15-20 minute jog, but uh yeah, the transition's been pretty good, but still obviously very he- heavily involved in the sport, so.
1: Um we've just Steve, sorry to you haven't got a word in yet, but um <laughs> oh, Steve, here. here. No. i thought he'd left okay no. sorry sorry steve no no i muted
2: myself again because i as soon as i got back in winnie had followed me and she has been banging
1: on the door until about 30 seconds ago and benny, <laughs> that's all right benny hills just joined us um benny welcome aboard sorry we as as expected we got started about 10 minutes too late so we were going to go a bit more through the race before we had a chat to you but seeing as you're here welcome um what a crazy expedited journey you've had in triathlon um first of all uh just what a ride how long have you been doing triathlon it hasn't been long at all all right and you just had a 13th place for listeners that don't know you at the ironman world championships sort of surprised everyone i think first australian across the line congratulations yeah tell me a bit about the journey
3: uh thank you i happy to be on the, uh, yeah, I, I guess it was before Port Macquarie last year, about six weeks before that, my mate was like, he'd started doing triathlon, we were teammates and cyclists and he sort of converted over and he convinced me to come and do a triathlon with him. And uh like, I did a bit of like swimming and running as a kid, but, um, I was like, that sounds, that sounds like fun. So I joined him there. Um, and I won my age group and was like third overall. And I had a great time. I was like, this is a lot of fun. Um, and so after that, I kind of, those six weeks, I did a little bit of swimming and running in prep. And then from then on, I was like, oh, there's something I want to do more of and sort of got into it from that point. So it's been like about about a year and a half since I started training for triathlon. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun.
1: Yo, that's, that's nearly better yeah, than that's, my's that's, and yours and my uh, Ironman World Championship <laughs> results. <laughs> He's done a year and a half.
0: <laughs> I wasn't going to mention that, Reedy, really, but uh, anyway, um, I was going to sk- uh, sort of skim over that fact. Um, yeah, well done, Benny. Amazing performance there. Uh, yeah, so it's, obviously it goes to show uh, having that cycling background, uh, especially uh, coming to a race like Nice, just really set you up for a really great, great race. And off the back of that, just a stellar run after, I think your marathon in port was over three hours. And then to come out and have an amazing bike ride and ride from not the greatest position out of the water to then put together an amazing ride and match some of the best riders in the sport and then get off and run a 248. Um, Yeah. Um, I'd love to see your training. If you could just send that over, that would be absolutely amazing. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So, Um, Ben, Sorry, yeah. mate,
1: you you also like people might not know this, but you've got quite a prestigious cycling background. Um, you actually rode with Pogachar in one of your teams, one of your can you tell us about, I guess, what it was like racing and training with him? Um, and what, you know, what triggered you to stop cycling? Or assume, I assume I don't know if you've even stopped. Are you still racing cycling? What's what's the go?
3: Um, yeah, like I, I guess I started cycling when I was like 17 and, um, from then till I was 29, I was like trying to be a cyclist and, um, trying to make the world tour. And I had a lot of like, went through a few teams there and it was 20, uh, 2018. I was teammates with Pogacar in a Slovenian continental team and I was like, that was my first like full time season in Europe, and uh, like I, I was struggling a little bit to find my feet, but I had a few like results. Um, like I was leading the Tour of Slovenia, and I was in the leaders jersey, and Pagatas in the in the white jersey, and it was like he was he was a super talent, but also just the nicest guy and happy to help me. Like he was giving me lead outs when we we're in like a small group sprint together and things like that, because I was a faster sprinter than he was but like he was he probably could have got a result himself but just happy if anyone else on the team wanted to put their hand up for anything he was like happy to help um but we had like a team coach that year and we basically did all our sessions together and everyone on the team would do the same training but he like he was obviously just naturally more talented than us because it wasn't any special training he was doing he was just a lot better than us and at the same time there was people a lot worse on the team like slovenia doesn't have a big pool of cyclists so you throw the same training at a bunch of guys and some people are really good and some people are not so good um and it was just like it was an awesome experience to see him excel uh but i even then didn't know at that point what he would go on to do like i i knew it was good but i didn't know he was that good <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, that's all we really wanted to talk, you, talk to you about was Pogachar. So thanks for that. Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, I mate. Mean, I should ask you. I mean, what's it like being the second most talented person in your in your own little circle? I mean, your, is it your wife or your girlfriend? He's also yeah. like a super elite athlete.
3: My wife, well, these all these jerseys in the background, these world champs jerseys and stuff. They're that's not my wife. That's that's <laughs> not me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she was um yeah world champion for the individual pursuit on the on the track. So um and like silver medal at Com Games. And yeah, she like national criterion champion. And she had a lot of um she was a bit yeah very successful. So I've always been kind of um looking up to her and I think that's really helped in her support of me because I sort of picked up triathlon as a a hobby post-cycling for a bit of fun and then I've had success at that and having her behind me, um, having had success before, she's really encouraged me to like do this and do this at a high level and she's really supportive of that because she sees high performance and, and
1: like she's enjoying being on that journey as well. So is Rebecca she does she still train much now or just
3: No, I think I think she never really loved the training. She loved the success of it. And now not having like that, not having that like Olympic dream in mind, just doing it for the for the fun of doing it isn't as motivating for her. Um so she does exercise a bit. Um she's doing park run there for a while and uh still is involved in a bit of zwift racing and things, but she really doesn't do it as much as she'd probably like, or um, she's just not, doesn't have that motivation anymore.
2: I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I was looking at those jerseys thinking if his first tour was in 2018, he's squeezed a lot of success <laughs> into a
0: COVID period.
1: Yeah. <laughs> there
0: you go. That's, that's a really interesting story. And yeah, that's great that um, yeah, your, your wife, uh, gets it and, uh, can support you now because looks like you're just getting started. Um, I did look at some of your, um, cycling, just the races you've done recently. And I saw leading into Port Mac, you actually did uh, a couple of races that are really well known, especially in Australia, the Melbourne to Warrnambool classic, which is 265 kilometres and Gra- Grafton to Inverell in- classic, um, that was like a week out, I think, from Port Mac. It was that like your last sort of big session. Obviously, you're very and you did very well. You were six and eighth in both of those races. So, did you use those as prep? And obviously, you feel very comfortable with like someone like a Cam Worth that can just ride at those Ironman watts all day. Um, yeah.
3: Yeah, I, I, well, I still race for like a NRS team, uh, Blackshaw. Yeah. So I, I do um some. NRS race with that. And I, I've always enjoyed the the long one-day races. So I get excited about the Melbourne and and Grafton in Burrell. So I was I was torn between um, like Port Mac I wanted to do well at, but I also wanted to do well at Grafton. So I was like, I think I should be able to balance both. And um, a week out doing that race, I think it was, it wasn't, I don't think it took anything away from my Port Mac ride. I actually felt particularly good at Port Mac. Um, so... Is yeah it's a bit of a it's a bit of a balancing act uh but i wasn't i was i've I've struggled a lot going to triathlon with injuries running i get Mm -hmm. um i feel like i have a a good engine but my just my my body can't handle any kind of load really so i i was injured going into portland i hadn't really done much running so i um it was. I was basically bike training and just hoping to hang on in the run. With so the the build up to to Grafton was, um, was my prep for Port Mac, and then uh, I had a good bike at, at Port and not a good run.
1: <laughs> I don't remember seeing nice Steve. How did your bike and Benny's bike match up? I don't know.
2: I think he definitely closed the gap from um the swim because we we had no one near us and then we w- we turned back to go back to town with like 20k left and we see this one r- random rider it was obviously Benny Hill and we were like who the fuck's just started catching up there was no, no one in sight so yeah I'm not sure Ben you would know probably I haven't looked oh you well you outrode all you drafting fuckers so um <laughs> <that's> pretty good <laughs> Did he, well,
1: without a lead moto time.
0: everything he outrode you guys by five minutes what are you doing
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, i was uh you can blame
2: burks he was pushing most there <laughs> <laughs> he, he should have rode, so <laughs> <gets that. laughs> <laughs> rode harder um yeah so so benny i've got an interesting um question for me anyways you you're were, you were preparing for a cycling race but you still managed to ride well in a tt position at port max so did you do much tt work or did that get in the way of um, cycling prep?
3: I think um, I, I've always felt like I've adapted quickly to my time trial position on the bike. I don't spend a lot, I actually don't like spending too much time on the time trial bike. I start to get, I don't know if it's a saddle I use or whatever, but I get like saddle sores. And um, I start, if I'm on the time trial bike too much, I get a bit uncomfortable. So even like, even in my ideal prep, I'd probably only be on the time trial bike once or twice a week. So, I still did that in the lead up to the port. I'll would, I would do, or in the, into Grafton, I'll still do one or two. That, like, I'll do a threshold workout on the time trial bike and maybe like a three hour ride just in the time trial position during the week. And then that was, I, I feel like the crossover worked pretty well um, between the two. I could still prepare as I wanted to for Grafton. And that was enough. That's all I really wanted to do in that position for port anyway
0: you
2: know
3: camworth is very
0: similar sorry yeah I guess Cam camworth and that brings me back to sebastian kinlay hardly like literally i think would ride twice maybe once a week on his time trial bike and if that bike came out of the garage it was like full gas like it was race stuff it was higher than race pace effort and then he'd do all his base pretty much on the road bike so, so it, um yeah it, and camworth's obviously look at the pro tour guys i know they only time trial for an hour they don't spend much time on the TT bikes at all, but it's a little bit different time trialing 180 kilometers, but Camworth and Sebastian Kinley come to mind for that works really well. So I wouldn't change a thing. And I think it's, it's probably better for your body too.
1: Hey, getting into the weeds a bit on that, Benny, do you run your road bike position? Do you run the saddle quite far forward to sort of, is it a fairly similar uh, load?
3: I have, I have both saddles pushed as far forward as possible. And, I did a, um, two weeks before, uh, well a week before I left Nice, I did, um, uh, the New South Wales state time trial here and I, the seat was like just a little bit too far forward for the UCI position. So I don't think it's that, um, I don't think it's that extreme, uh, because it still was nearly five mil behind the bottom bracket. It's just the geometry of the bike. I probably would go further forward if I good
1: yeah it's one of He's my the, uh, seat
3: post around hey reedy
1: yeah but i'm just i'm just <laughs> puzzled as to why the bike industry is not creating changing the geometry of road bikes everyone's running the seat as far forward as possible let's give people more range and sort that out um mate you mentioned your wife rebecca she you know loved the success of racing and probably not so much the training would you say you're the reverse of that in that you just froth on the training
3: yeah well I, I really enjoy racing as well, but as, as I got through my cycling career further and further, I had, I was having, there was like at the end of 2017, I broke my back in a crash, and 2018, I crashed 13 times through the se- through the season. Just I just felt like I couldn't get my confidence back. I was more of a sprinter on the bike. In 2018, particularly, I was trying to sprint a lot, and like bumping bars and fighting position, I was crashing a lot. And I just couldn't, I felt like I couldn't get enough confidence back to, um, to sort of get in the race again. And for that reason, I was like not loving the racing. I was like, I much prefer to just do a good training block and sort of get fit. And I do love the analysis of training. I'm a cycling coach as well. So I like, I love the numbers behind it and, and like seeing the physiology adapt and like actually getting a good solid block of training in so I can see the numbers going up. Um, so I love that process and don't miss the crashing and so like triathlon's really been great for that because I can like do a good lots of good solid blocks and then like sort of test myself every three six months or however long I want to do a race but I think that's a good balance of racing to training for me Um, I don't want to race too often these days anymore
0: Enough. speaking of um yeah like not crashing how let's relate it back to nice a little bit obviously you rode very very well there um got out of the water 55 minutes something around 53 was it it was a little bit you had to, you had some work to do um but how much time did you pull out of people do you think on the descents? and was it technical compared to what you have raced as a bike racer and uh in that, how did the how did you go on the time trial bike um on that sort of terrain cuz obviously you're used to probably doing those descents on a road bike so uh obviously you did very well but uh, how did you find it
3: yeah the i um i pushed i pushed I, I felt like i pushed hard the first 60k of the bike where most of the uphill climbing was um but i'd lost i lost 8 minutes to Camworth in the first 60k and i thought i was riding hard but I I could have gone harder but I was like still like there's, there's a lot of racing still to do um so I didn't want to go like my threshold was about 370 380 and I was riding like 330 up the climb so maybe I could have done extra like 20 30 watts up the climb and still held on but I was like I was still I was I was riding, there was another guy I was with and he was sort of, was looked like we are catching people. So I wasn't too worried. I thought we were doing a decent pace, but then to realize we'd lost so much time, I was like, oh dear, I probably should have, I surely probably should have stepped on it a bit harder up there. I mean, the way it panned out in the end, I'm happy with how I paced it. So, (laughs) um, I'm not too, yeah, maybe, maybe I would like at some point to sort of step on the bike and, and send it at the start and see what happens because I've only done two now and I've taken a pretty conservative approach. Like a port was the same. I think Steve and the front guys had put a lot of time into me in the first bit of the bike Um, because I wasn't confident. I'd never done like a five-hour time trial before. Um, I didn't know what I could hold. So I was kind of sitting to zone two being like, this is what I can hold. And then finishing last hour, the first hour I'm doing it 260, last hour I'm doing it like 330 because I'm like, oh, I'm still feeling good. And that's when I, like, made a lot of time back. So maybe I need to, like, reassess where my strengths are.
0: To port next year, are you, do you hear that numbers and go, yeah, no, just keep doing what you're doing, just zone two all the way and, um, yeah, just do that for port next year? Or you were like, no, don't step on it.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, I, like, I came out of the water at port, I think seven minutes behind Steve's group, and I'm like, I'm not going to catch that back. If I ride threshold for an hour, I'm still you not going to catch seven minutes on them and then I'll be dead. So I'm like, I have to treat this like a, try and like negative split a, five, a four and a half hour time trial and do my best effort. Cause I'm not really racing these guys. I'm just racing for my best time. Um, and I, and I think overall, that's probably what I was doing. But if I, if I got out of the water, like two minutes down, maybe I'd be like, like a Matt Burton or someone who like is like, I'm going to try and ride to the front of the race and then race the race. But I don't feel like I'm in that position yet because I'm coming out so far of the water behind. So I'm like, I'll just do my time trial.
2: I think it's a smart way to do it because the group, if there is a group, um, we tend to slow down significantly with 30 or 40k to go. Everyone starts looking at each other. Um, and I can remember my last 20k at Port Mac, maybe actually my last 30 was probably only 230 watts. So it was real low. Everyone was just getting to the front and looking around like, I don't want to do this. Um, so every time I went to the front, I was pushing less power as well because I knew we were so far ahead. And we would just think about each other at that point and ha- can I outrun these guys? Um, but yeah, at the start, the average was probably more like 275 for the whole until then. And then Bustleton being alone, it's very different. If if the if you're alone like me and Maxie and Burton, we're all alone, I think my power only dropped to 260 from 270. So it was a very different approach that day. Um, but like, I think in Port Mac with those hills and stuff, I was, I was kind of relieved that we're only pushing way lower power anyway. (laughs) It felt pathetic, but, um, you know, you're just race. So I think what you're going to, yeah. So the inside tip, if there's a group, just do exactly what you've done and you will put about 10 minutes into us
0: in the last 10 (laughs) K and then probably execute your best run as well.
1: Yeah. Benny, your um, bigger bike training days are pretty legendary. I've heard stories of like five hours in the morning and then going and doing a crit in the Arvo, you know, totaling up to eight hours on the bike for a big day. When you say you're getting injured running, um, what was your running looking like? What was your sort of bigger run weeks leading into World Champs? Uh,
3: So I did um, two months before Worlds. I Well, so Port Mac, I was injured. And so I was in. I was running, I started that run, I was hobbling, taking my bike into transition the day before Port Mac and I was like, this is probably not how you want to be approaching your first Ironman, but I, um, I sort of managed to, to hold on um, for that. But then I spent the next, I think I had like 10 days off running after Port Mac and then from then I was like, felt injury free and building from there. And two months before Nice, I was in Singapore for the Olympic esports cycling series because I was racing, um, I was representing Australia for Zwift over there. And we couldn't bring our bikes. I was in Singapore for a week and we just had the one like two days on the Ergo uh, for the actual event. And then I was just there running for the week. And I got a bit carried away because I had so much time. So I ran 90K that week but I was so like, I could feel everything was on the edge. Like my hips were tight, my adductors were tight and I was like, okay, I might've overdone it. So then I went back to like, I think I did like 15 K that next week and I build up again to about 70 K total running as my biggest run week post that. Um, and I really only did one day a week where I'd run four minute pace, which was like my, my idea of what race pace was, but I, I didn't really know what race pace was, but I, I thought maybe four minutes was a good aim. So I'll do one day a week where I'll do race pace. And then the rest of it's just running what felt comfortable. And some days that was five minutes. Some days that was 4.30 pace, just whatever I felt was comfortable pace.
1: Um, two more questions before we let you go. Um, first one, do you eat meat? Yeah. Yeah. I love meat. I eat a lot of meat. <laughs> See, Joe, this is where you fell short, mate. You could have had a top 15 at World Champs. But think of all the animals I've saved. I might
0: be the weathered vegan, but, like, come
1: on. <laughs> um, what's next? What's next? Oh, the other question was, do, do all your cyclist mates just call you a nerd now that you're doing triathlon? Like, are you copying much shit?
3: Well, I think because Aiden, and my mate also, um, we're, two, we're two of the better cyclists around in Canberra, and we've both started doing triathlon and we both still win the local criteriums here um quite regularly so i don't think we we cop too much and i think the the triathletes are actually loving it because they used to cop it and now we're doing they're like (laughs) they're they're being treated a lot nicer so yeah um yeah
0: generally for my era cyclists do not like triathletes at all um but now When you've got guys like Cam Worth and, and yourself, and sort of being out doing that crossover, then I feel like triathlon's getting a little bit more respect. Um, And yeah, I That's was sort of I
2: was sort from the outside looking in at both of these sports. We, I mean, let's not compare; they're both nerdy as hell. So. <laughs> <laughs> they really are.
1: Yeah. <laughs> hey Ben, um, we really appreciate you coming on. Um, I think that it's pretty exciting what you. Could do in the next couple of years. Um, so we'll be watching on with interest and don't beat Steve next year.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: I, just hope, I just hope I can see the front of the race at one of these triathlons because I'm always losing so much in the swim. I can't even catch back in the bike. So, which doesn't really give me much of a chance because they all run faster than me. But I just, my goal is just to see the front of the race at some point at this, at this stage.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure you will. So thanks heaps, mate. Uh, we will speak again. I'm sure. Yeah. All
3: Thanks,
1: right. Ben.
0: Thank you, guys. Thanks, Benny. That was great. Cheers, mate. Yeah.
1: What did you think of the course? That was spectacular. Yeah. I it
0: was a little tough to watch it here in Boulder because the start I think was at 11 o'clock at night. So I caught live the first two hours and then the last hour of the marathon or something. And but I went back and watched it on YouTube and I was uh, yeah really impressed and it just yeah it was. Just uh, yeah, the coverage was really. I think Ironman did a really good job, and uh, it was just really well supported. And I think it it got it felt and from the uh, like a world championship, and from the people that actually were there on the ground that I've been in touch with, they had a great time. Like Matt Liedo stayed on another week because he was enjoying being in the East so much. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think it is a worthy world championship, and obviously it's got a huge history in the sport as well. So I think.
1: Yeah, it came off really well and uh, it was an amazing world championship. Steve, Sam Laidlow taking the win. Um, any thoughts watching him take the win?
2: Uh, I don't know, really. I, yeah. But I, we we were having a few big beers uh, oh, wasn't. when we saw it happening oh you weren't wait he was there six um, weeks after, going strong <laughs> after, after, after <laughs> i spiked i spiked all those alcohol-free drinks that you had <laughs> he's done that to me before <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah we were watching it i was i was shocked um but i don't really i'm not i don't know if i should be skeptical or not on um on anything it's it as you said earlier Reedy. um He's grown up on these types of rides and knows how to ride them. And I used Caleb. I I just went swimming and thought more about it after our conversation. And, um, you know, Caleb Noble, he's in good form at the moment, pushing good power. I was training with him in Davos and he lost seven minutes to a French guy up that mountain, um, up and down that mountain in Davos for Challenge Davos. And, yeah, I think they just know how to ride these hills, like you said. And they know how to descend them. They know how to hold power on top and over the hill. Um, and it's a, yeah, I just look at it and I go, this course is never anything I'll be successful on. I just,
1: I would lose 10 minutes up and 20 minutes down. <laughs> so, uh, so I I said... I, Sorry, you go. Oh, I, I um, did some research on Sam after he won. Um, Because I've always said no one, especially in Ironman, no one comes from nowhere. So you looked at Benny Hill, huge aerobic base, years and years of five, six-hour training days. Sam is only 24, but his training age is about the same as a lot of athletes who are winning at 32, 33. He moved to the Pyrenees when he was two. I think he started triathlon by the time he was four or five. Um, He's done the work. He's put those years in, and he's trained on the French climbs um, for most of his triathlon life. So I'm not, uh, initially I was like, what the hell? A 24 year old winning world champs. That just doesn't happen. Youngest person ever. And then when I did some more reading up, I was like, ah, it always makes sense. Like this is, this is set up for him to win this race. I also think you, as you know, Joe, people tend to peak 10 to 15 years into their training age. Mm-hmm. And then they get sort of five, six years at the top. And then it tends to drop off unless you're young Fredino and uh, mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see how long his career is because yeah peaking i think being so young there's only so long you can put yourself through ironman events um thoughts on the longevity of his career
0: yeah it's it's a really interesting one yeah 24 is so young but yeah as you said he's lived and breathed triathlon all his family his girlfriend everyone it's a whole family team that he has behind him and it seems like it, he's had that from a very young age. um so, yeah, it, it does It does make more sense. But, look, the, we've always said, even when I raced in Europe years and years ago, that to try and beat the French in France is really, really difficult. They, they bring their A game. I think we had five French guys in the top 15, which everyone said. Like they said, there'll probably be four or five guys in the top 10. And that's what happened. Um, and, yeah, just that experience. We saw the coverage of him descending. There's nothing like that, even in Colorado, where a lot of other pros live and good like Chris Leiferman and Sang Long, guys like that, they can't descend like that. I'm sorry,
1: like there's The descents, just the descents different are different level. in boulder. They're they're yeah. much and easier. Yeah, yeah, they
0: mu- are much easier, and it is. It's 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 like an art how they descend these mountains. They ride the course, and they know how to hold speed. They hold momentum, and that over 180 kilometer time trial just adds up and the energy saving, but also the, the speed they're able to carry and the momentum. its uh, You can just see he, he was ready to execute. He'd spent like so much time on that course. You could see it, by the way, he knew every
1: every bend. I mean, well, I, I guess see, in the lead up to Steve, we saw he was a bit sick at some of the PTO races, had COVID, but we've also seen that play out for a lot of athletes quite well at World Champs because we know half the pro field go in overcooked. Um, yeah, um, Sebi Kinlay won you know, with a run injury where he was barely running before he won his world champs. Crowe spent half the year uh, sick and re- and not well before he set the course record in Kona. So sometimes I think these guys with the massive base, those little interruptions, we saw it even with you, Steve, going into Ironman Australia. Sometimes these interruptions can actually stop the athlete from uh, overcooking, overcooking their yeah. training going into the race.
2: Yeah, I never thought of yeah. like avoiding Childcare would actually be my downfall this year. We got away, didn't get sick for six weeks, and I overtrained. <laughs> I was going to ask that, Steve. Yeah,
0: did you did you get sick? Did you get any niggles, or you just had a really great build into into worlds, and then it yeah. was already left in training? I guess at that point, oh, this, um, yeah. Some this, of those setbacks are great. Like you've always said that, Reedy. You need a blowout ten days out, and um, just to reset.
1: Um, just not a not yeah. an injury blowout. I meant like a night out
0: yeah i know he's like hey let's go out I'm like, it's 10 days out reedy really. like yeah i have my best races off 10 days off <laughs> <All laughs> 10 days <laughs> force rest <laughs>
1: yeah. um no, we no, should no. we really must talk about jan Fredino. hard to argue that there's anyone greater in the sport over the history of the whole entire sport um like just an amazing career two times ironman 70.3 world champ three times Ironman, world champ, Olympic champion, gold medal at giving every other pro triathlete an eating disorder. Um, <laughs> he is something special. And in in some poetic justice way, i am sort of, not for his sake, it would have been nice to see him go out on top, but Ironman always wins. It always kicks everyone's ass in the end. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it was just, it's just the way Iron Man is, you know, if he'd won that last Iron Man, he did, I would have been like, geez, even, even, you know, it was, it was almost too perfect. And I think it just shows that Iron Man always, always defeats you in the end, even though he's obviously been on top of the world.
0: I think I saw a clip about, he posted something about that. uh, In one of his many, many interviews um, that, yeah it was sort of fitting that he had beat him on this final race. Cause he has spent a lot of time at the very, very top and really unbeatable. And if you look back four weeks ago after racing in um, Wisconsin at the PTO race, like I, I was like, who's going to beat him? There's no way. And, but he just, I think some of the people, as I said, that I've been in touch with on the ground, like, he didn't seem to have that fire in the few days leading to the race, that confidence, that, that, um real like just i'm gonna rip everyone apart he seemed very uh just content which i think he said this in an interview as well it's it's good as a human being to be like that but it's not good as a racer and he's not i don't think he's hungry like he maybe was once and even he looked like he maybe had a niggle as well the bike sort of uh, flared up something i don't know what exactly but he definitely got off that bike pretty uh in a know in not in a great position uh, physically.
1: Any other performances of note, Steve, that you'd want to mention? Patrick Lang, pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, that's crazy.
2: Um, So I don't really, I didn't follow the race closely, so I, I wish I'd did now that I'm in this podcast and the main topic <laughs> is his niece. I also didn't didn't read messages that you sent about what this podcast was going to be <laughs> involving. <Last me>.
1: <laughs>
2: so, but yeah, Patrick Lang was incredible. That's that's all I can say about his run. It's 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 something to strive for. I I know I can run as fast as that, but off that bike is incredible to do two thirties. It's um, and, and it's it. Whenever someone's doing these things, more people do. So that's great because. I hope a few of us in this sport lift our bike and our run because of it's just what you see. And uh, as Sam Laidlow says, believe, uh, cheers, perceive. <laughs> what does he say? <laughs> <I don't laughs> you really believe, should have written that down,
0: Steve. Believe, believe perceive. perceive, achieve.
1: <laughs>
0: it's really true. I, I want to make note of Brad Weiss. Like, I think. He's definitely on people's radar that know the sport really well. I've spent a lot of time with Brad and calling him a, and definitely a close friend of mine. And it was amazing to see him execute, um, finally made that like, he's an amazing swimmer in the pool and never really uh, capitalized that in the, in the open water. And like, I'll give you full credit here, Reedy. I messaged him before the race. I said, wear your sleeves down. First time he's ever done it. I've been telling him for years. Cause you told me, and he finally did and made that front pack and just set him up for a great race. And despite a five-minute penalty, um, comes away with a seventh place and um, just an amazing performance. So, uh, yeah, full credit to to Brad. He
1: definitely, he's, he definitely puts in the work, that guy. You should not have brought up the sleeves up or down thing. Hey, Steve, sore topic. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I never, ever, ever do that. And, um, yeah, was convinced that there was no other way.
1: The so right before right before 70.3 world Steve got talked into having his sleeves over his shoulders, which he'd never done before. And uh, what was the sensations like?
2: It was but I felt it in the warm-up, we got out, and I was like, oh I'll quickly just do this. And then I was um, again <laughs> convinced, no, 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 keep it like that. <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> I was That's... like, oh fuck.
2: And I just went through the race as if I was doing a strength effort with a lactate of like 1,000. Mm.
0: I I remember Reedy really told me oceanside I turned up and I was actually I put in a big winter of swimming and blew to pieces in the first 200 meters and I'm like and then I'd managed to find some good feet I thought and got up um got out of the water I knew I was in was in the first pack got out of the water i was on lionel sanders's feet i'm like that's not a good swim. <laughs> but it's and really it... <laughs> it was awful it felt like a gorilla jumped on my back and yeah. um yeah Reedy, like after the race like, oh that was the easiest swim in the world i got on Apo's feet piece of cake mate i'm like <laughs> i think um it depends on your suit as well so the advice isn't that bad if if it's
2: someone who has a loose suit but mine is like mm-hmm got those arrow stripes now so it's like mm. the tightest upper body that you could find in a suit so yeah the advice isn't terrible for some from some if they've got a suit that's like stretchy but mine is
1: yeah. yes
0: especially when it gets yeah. wet it's just horrible well, you, you won't make that mistake again i guess
1: no mm.
0: I, have a, I have a question for you guys so the top 10 from this year obviously in nice Do you think this could be the top ten in Kona next year, or do you think there'll be guys that maybe wouldn't make that top ten, or and there'll be guys that
1: definitely would be more in the mix? Ready? I think we have the same answer. I think I think it's going to differ. I think there'll be some guys that will always that will be up there. Um, There's going to be some guys who are just who just can't descend with those guys in Nice. Mm -hmm. Um, a, A lot of the guys that are still really strong in terms of power output. Will do well in, in Kona. So, um, I love that it's rotating. I think it mixes it up, keeps it exciting. I'd love to see, uh, even more courses get mixed in, but at the moment you can't really argue with those two courses as being, you know, exciting, tough, fair, all those yeah. things. Okay. Mm.
0: One more question for you, Reedy. will the angry, Gnome maybe come out of, uh, or you're not even retired
1: and race, maybe get a nice spot in uh, two years time hundred uh, percent. No, I'll never do an Ironman again. If I do come back, if after I get my heart fixed, it'll be to win local sprint triathlons and be a local legend.
0: I'll, I'll take you on. Let's let's pick one in two years, Reedy, And let's race each other. Be great. <laughs> but you're not allowed to swim train. No swim swimming allowed. It's just funny when you're
1: out of it for a while, you're like just that constant. Uh, constant oh I've got one more session to do today I've got it's just that and that fatigue like I I just enjoy being able to talk to people and not fall asleep while I'm talking to them so, <laughs> yeah uh, I, I
0: no, I get it no I it's <laughs> nice to actually have clarity in your thought um yeah, but, uh, yeah. so anyway. Joe I've got a question for you just going back to
2: something I was the nineties. Okay. <laughs> yeah, po- no, probably. <laughs> um so, so we, Not that old. We, we were chatting no, we were chatting about age in the sport. Um and you said you've been doing it a long time. What age did you
0: actually start? Did my first triathlon when I was twelve. Um my dad did triathlon and I just ended up doing a kid's triathlon and yeah, loved it. And that's pretty much switched me over from running pretty quickly because I wasn't I don't know. I, did, I loved my running, but I wasn't getting anywhere with it um when I was like 14, 15. So I switched to triathlon and just embraced it. Uh So yeah, I raced my first pro race. I got a wild card into the Devonport Triathlon when I was 16 and got to race Miles Stewart, Greg Welsh, Macca, Crowey, everyone. Like it was, I got smashed, but it was a great mm-hmm. opportunity. Then went to junior elite racing and just, yeah, keep chipping away. I didn't I just consistent, I just love the process and just tried to improve a little bit every day. And yeah, I, I just enjoy, and when I stopped improving, which was like 18, 2018, 2019, I lost the, that momentum a little bit. And, uh, but until then I just, yeah, just tried to, there's always something to work on in triathlon. And I just, I just enjoyed it. And yeah, I'm a talker. So I, I like going out on long training rides and just chatting away. It's uh, there's not, not 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 many other jobs that you can do that. So do you think the age caught up with you, the age in the sport that is, do you think it was your body or your mind more
2: so in 2018? Mind,
0: mind. I was one of the angriest racers out there. Mm. I'm like super chill off the course. But as soon as my son came along, I was, and I got married, had my, we had our son. I was too content. I'd ex- achieved everything that I wanted to achieve and I wasn't angry. Ask Apo. I used to call him the C word and like yell yeah. at pe- I was the angriest person on the race course.
1: Yeah. Um, we both, we but, both were We both were super angry. And then. I don't know but, why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and It's just, a ta- I have a Tassie chip. Like it's yeah, from Tasmania. Yeah. Like it's like
0: you just get a chip on your shoulder and uh, <laughs> you just feel like you need to prove yourself. And then I'd realized I didn't need to prove myself anymore. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, It's funny.
1: I think um, like Steve, you've got the perfect example of every photo of you in a race, especially on the bike. It's just this face of pain. And if you look at the first half of my career, every photo in in every race, I'm just scrunched up, just face of pain, just killing myself, whether it was fifth or first or 10th. And then the last three years of my career, I'm just like Full poker face, relaxed, about to fall asleep in races. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't.
0: My best racing, I didn't think, I didn't overthink anything in the last few years. I was so analytical and just, I used to just race. I used to I'd get out of the water behind and I'd just rip, try and rip everyone's legs off and hang on on the run. It was very simple. And then it got complicated. And I, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's when you lose that, if you overthink it, I think you're maybe on the way out. I think the good guys know how to just go to that place and be happy with it.
1: We Um, were talking, Joe, the other day about how we were in a bit of a golden era too, whereas in Boulder, we would all turn up in Boulder, especially all the Aussies, Kiwis, and a couple of the more jovial Americans. um, And everyone would just train together. Be like, what are we doing today? mm. And we'd all just go out and train. And then it got real scientific. Everyone had their intervals to do and it sort of, I think we got really lucky and had a great time. And, um, I don't know about you, but I feel amazing gratitude for that being in that era. Um, how do you feel about it? Looking back? Yeah,
0: no, I completely agree. Uh, yeah, I look back and yeah, some of like from when I moved over here in 08 through to like really pre pandemic, um, yeah, like. Even the couple of years leading into the pandemic, it got very, very serious. But um, yeah, till six, 15, 16, like I used to train and race against like my mates, like Ben Hoffman, Richie Cunningham, like when you were in town, Burkle, like Crowey, Chris Lee, all these guys. We'd tear shreds off each other and wouldn't even think about the training the next day or what, what, what. So we just didn't want to get dropped because we we're having a bad day. Um, and then we'll do it all again the next day. And just, I don't know. Was so simple and i think it's really interesting to hear benny talk he's like i love it i love the, the very simple just i oh, just trying to accumulate some good miles in the legs and build this big huge aerobic engine and look he's so um new to it and i'd feel like yeah i don't think he should overcomplicate it. i think what he's doing right now is sort of how we used to train just get it done and recover, train hard, recover harder, and do it all again the next day.
1: So yeah, it's, it's, yeah. He reminds me of how we used to train. I think that's a good note to finish on. Um, As I said, Joe is joining the RPG team, which is going to be exciting now that he's coming back to Australia. Steve, anything you want to plug before we wrap it? No, nah, I've I've done
2: enough plugging, and um, I'm sorry I didn't come in with my research or anything. I um I have been off the sport since the seventy point three worlds, and I've <laughs> literally I've had my phone off most of the time, and um yeah, just I, I think I've done about what eight hours of training for like a month per week. So yeah. looking to get motivated and get back on the podcast and everything, and be a normal person again. But it was a bit intense over in Europe, um, as you said. Joe it's there's a lot to it you look at all these things going on and yeah you can dive real deep but um, as soon as you stop being a normal person it's not really maintainable for some people and I wish I was more in the era of you know back in the day I think I would have been very successful and but I still get on the beers after races. like the old days. It's very rare. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm like an old, old school one stuck in this era, but um, because yeah, I, I definitely don't think during races that's actually letting me down now because people are thinking too much. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'll be back on board and um, yeah, I've got nothing to add because I've we really said not done research. We said
1: this the other, um, the other day, but everyone who, has a bit of a fail at world champs. It almost a lot of the top guys, it sets them up for a good, good one next year. Um, mm-hmm. and sometimes they're the biggest lessons. Hey Joe, when you, yeah, you know.
0: I absolutely, absolutely agree. Before my third place, I was, I think I was outside the top 10. I think I was 11th. I had a shocker. Um, and yeah, I don't know what was your, um, 70.3 worlds before, the year before you won. Well, I
1: DNF my first one and then I had a, um, fifth seventh and then the year before 70.3 worlds had my worst ever sort of pulled a bit of I I sort of ignored my coaches trained way too much going into it didn't rest after Cebu and just was cooked trying to race and then the next year I yeah made some big adjustments and um you live and learn so thanks guys we will wrap it there nice is done Kona's coming up uh we'll be back to do another podcast soon, probably with Steve. Danny will be back from holidays. I certainly won't be editing this, so who knows when it'll come out. (laughs) 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 See you, fellas. Thanks, thanks, mate. you, guys. Cheers, thanks.